G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au The pain was so deep, I even felt a physical pain, but the mental anguish was horrific and I didn't feel I had, I could turn to God for comfort either. I felt that he had rejected me and that he had abandoned me just as mum and dad abandoned me when I was little. That was the thinking that was going on in my head. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith. Well, last time, Karen Mays shared with us about her troubled childhood and how she never felt loved by her mother. Then she and her husband went to serve as missionaries in South America, where tragedy struck. Two of her daughters died when a faulty heater leaked gas into the room they were in. This sent Karen into a crisis of faith that lasted for several years and stirred up doubts and insecurities from her own childhood. Karen is the author of the book, Healing Begins in the Heart, and she'll share how God's love eventually broke through as she continues to share her story with us. Once again, Karen Mace is joining us from her home in Tasmania. I remember before we went out the first time that he reassured me when I had doubts that he would be with me and he would smooth the path for us. And I was very confident that he was. And then that was it. Hmm. On the 20th of November in 1993, Yili and Sarah died. And um, it threw my whole life into chaos. In that very night, those voices started in my head again. Mm -hmm. You deserve this. You're a bad mother. And I really felt that, Eric. Wow. And I, all I could think of was the times that I'd shouted at them, that I'd yelled at them, mm -hmm. that I'd... Uh, all the things that I'd done wrong, and mm. um, I just said, God, I know, this is it. You're punishing me. You're punishing me, and why didn't you take me? Why didn't you leave the girls? And that's, I really felt that I was being, everything I'd come to believe about myself as a child, mm. that I wasn't good enough, that I, I didn't have anything really to offer, all those things just came flooding back. And the voice inside my head was a condemning critic that said, I deserve this. Hmm. And that was, I, the pain was so deep, I even felt a physical pain. Hmm. But the mental anguish was horrific. And yeah. I didn't feel I had, I could turn to God for comfort either. Why is that? I felt that he had rejected me. And that he had abandoned me just as mum and dad abandoned me when I was little. That was mm. the thinking that was 
that was going on in my head. And of course, you know, at those times, I suppose it's the ideal time for the enemy yeah, to yeah. feed his lies and mm -hmm. that deception. Yep. Mm -hmm. And because I think my, my faith hadn't gone deep enough um, at that time, I hadn't really, I didn't really have a strong understanding of, of the, what a deep relationship with Jesus was. Isn't that something? You had gone to Bible school. Yeah. Preparing mm -hmm. to be a missionary. Yeah. But you're saying, looking back, the whole unconditional love from your Heavenly Father, that didn't penetrate your heart. No, it didn't. And I think, you know, that's that's something that I'm very conscious of when I'm working with, with clients today. Mm -hmm. I love to work with, with Christians who are a bit like I was mm -hmm. back then because I know what the enemy is doing mm. and I know what the love of God is mm. and I know what it can be like for them when they can step into that love and when that perfect love can get rid of the fear because it's the fear that's behind those feelings. Yeah. That's, that's what the enemy uses. You know. Yeah, isn't that something, obviously intellectually, you had the head knowledge to know that God loves you. You've read the verses, mm. but it still, it still didn't penetrate your heart, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize, but I'd put a protective coat around my heart. Mm. Unconsciously. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize I, I had done it, that mm. I had put this protective coat around my heart. Mm -hmm. And when this crisis happened, when this horrible thing happened, that's when everything started to fall apart mm. because I couldn't control anything anymore. Mm. I see that, you know. I think what, what we do when we're so uncertain about things and when we have no confidence in anyone or anything is we try to manage everything around us mm. so that it, we are protected, mm. so that we're safe. But in reality, we're not ever safe unless we're actually in God <laughs> mm, yeah. and unless we're walking moment by moment with him. So you were in Ecuador in the early 90s when this happened. Yeah. And uh, just to share a little bit of our story, my wife Gina and I went to Ecuador in 2001, 2002, and Joe and Ruth mm. Baxter, who you know, showed yeah. us around and they said oh, when you're looking for a place, make sure about the gas leaks because of what happened yeah. to this one family. So I had heard about what happened to you when we were there about 10 yeah. years later or so. Didn't know who it was or that I didn't have a chance to speak with you at some point. Mm. But um, obviously there's a whole lot more going on than just the tragedy. I mean, it's terrible enough to lose your children at such a young age, which is horrific in and of itself. But now we're hearing the other layers of the tragedy. This was a tragedy on several different layers. Hmm. Hmm. And yet, you know, we, we say God can, um, he can use anything mm -hmm. for our good, really. And while I never did, I don't think I'll ever understand the mm -hmm. whys other yeah. than the reality is that when we're in this world, you know, there are things that are going to happen mm -hmm. that just because we're human and it's the world we live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, in this world, there will be troubles. Yeah, there will be troubles. Mm -hmm. But God can use all things 
for our good, for mm -hmm. those who love him. And I know that he knew that deep down I loved him, mm -hmm. but it was a bit like that I didn't have the attunement, the mm -hmm. emotional connection. Mm -hmm. I was actually emotionally distant from God. Hmm. So that's just, you know, my thinking about it as, as I've walked through this with God. Yeah. Um, I didn't trust him with all of me. Mm. So um, he taught me through through that time a lot of things. But it was 13 years that I had my back turned to God. Yes. Tell us about what happened next after this tragedy. Well, I didn't openly turn away from God and I don't think I don't think I wanted to turn away from him really because I kind of knew <laughs> that it was the right thing to have a you know to have God there but I didn't want to face him because I didn't want to if I turned around and actually looked at God and uh, I was afraid of what I'd see. Mm. I really did think that I would see someone who was disgusted with me, who held me in disdain. So huh. I thought if, and I didn't want to hear what he had to say because I thought back, well, I thought back on the things that I believed he had said to me before and I thought, I don't know if I can trust you. So mm. best not really listen, although I had my hands over my ears and I, I didn't have them tightly over my ears. So there was something in me that still wanted to mm. to hear him. Mm. But for a long time I lived in what I'd call a swampy no-man's land spiritually, uh, 13 years actually, and I really felt like a hypocrite a lot of that time because on the outside I was, um, I was still a, a good Christian who I went to church, I I spoke in, in, in meetings, I um, related well to people, but on the inside, I was a mess. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't have, really didn't have that personal relationship with, with God, and I, I did. I felt like a hypocrite. Hmm. Uh, when people would say to me, oh, your faith is so strong, you're such an example, and I'd think, oh, just stop, hmm. because that... <laughs> that didn't feel feel right to me that they were saying that, and it wasn't. If they only knew how you were feeling inside, you're probably thinking. Yeah, that's right. And I, if they knew how I was feeling inside, they wouldn't want anything to do with me. That's also what you were thinking. Yep. So you stopped being a missionary and came back mm. to Australia? We didn't stop immediately. We did come back for... Um, a short while after Ilya and Sarah died, we we brought them back here to bury them at Carvilla, which is here in Launceston, mm -hmm. because that was important for the family. And we actually went back. Six weeks we were back here, I think, in Tasmania. Then we went back to Ecuador, mm -hmm. and we um, had been moved out of that apartment by some lovely friends while we were back here. And we were in a different apartment. And then eventually we moved to the guest house, managed the guest house. Ross continued with what he was doing. And we probably would have stayed there if our daughter Miri hadn't been as rebellious as she was <laughs> and, and um, was very close to being removed from the Alliance Academy for her misdemeanours. So we thought it was best to bring her 
bring her back here. And um, at that stage, Ross brought her back. But then after he got back to Ecuador, we discovered that um, Miri was... Oh, no, Miri was pregnant at the time. That's right. So we realised we couldn't stay in Ecuador. We just had to finalise things there and come back to back to Tasmania. So it was it was pretty rocky in a lot of ways mm. and I suppose in some ways for me it was it was a distraction that validated me not having time to spend with God. You know, I had an excuse, I had a reason because mm. Miri was keeping us very occupied at the time. Our guest today is once again Karen Mace, who's the author of the book, Healing Begins in the Heart. And as we've been hearing, the tragic death of her two daughters in South America sent her into a crisis of faith that lasted for several years. She had basically turned her back on God. But, as we'll hear, God had not abandoned her, and healing finally comes into her life. All that more is coming up when we return, right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. And you can listen to past programs about the impact faith has had on others. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today, once again, I'm chatting with Karen Mace, who's the author of the book, Healing Begins in the Heart. As we heard before the break, Karen was kind of just going through the motions of a Christian faith after the tragic death of her two daughters in South America. That occurred while she and her husband were missionaries there. In reality, she was going through a crisis of faith for several years, and eventually, she and her husband returned to Tasmania from the mission field. Now we'll hear what happened next in Karen's life. What finally caused you to turn the corner and turn around? Well, the funny thing is that it was actually our daughter. Well, not our daughter as such, but our daughter was, um, she married a man back here and it wasn't a very happy marriage at all. It wasn't good. And he um, wanted he wanted her to go to Adelaide where he was from to live there because he felt it would be better to be away from us. So um, in 2007, I think it was, I wanted to go to Adelaide to see Miri. Um, she was struggling with a marriage and I was really concerned. I was starting to feel, I don't know, I was feeling um, as though there was something wrong. I just felt as though something was missing. I wasn't sure what it was. And I just thought um, I was feeling a bit unsettled and I thought it was because of Miriam. So I went to South Australia mm-hmm. and um, Miriam was going to Edge Church in South Australia, mm-hmm. in uh, near Adelaide, mm-hmm. Renella, I think. Mm-hmm. And she asked me if I wanted to go to church with her and I just went, oh, yeah, all right, because she was really enjoying it there and finding a great fellowship there. And Were 
were you going to church yourself at that time? Mm, yeah, on and off. Okay. On on and off, yes, but not going because I felt obligated. It was a mm. duty. Mm. Yeah. So um, I said, all right, I'll go to church. And the funny thing is that when we walked into that church, it was just incredible. I'd never been there before, but I can still feel the warmth that just dropped on me mm. as we walked into that church. And I felt welcomed. I felt a part of the place, never been there before at all. It was a really, really interesting experience. And then people were saying, giving me prophetic words and um, there was just a sense of being at home. Mm. And while while we were there, before before worship started, before things happened, I had this very odd experience. It was like I saw Jesus. It was a moment in time where there wasn't anything else but just me. And no, I didn't see Jesus. I heard Jesus' voice mm-hmm. and he called me. And there was a, a like a hand clap. That's enough, Karen. It's time. And I went, oh. And it was like God was saying, okay, I've let you go on for, for long enough. Now it's time. But while Jesus was standing there, he put out his arms and he waited for me to go to him. Hmm. He didn't he didn't force me. He didn't give me an ultimatum. He just put out his arms and when I walked into them, I can still feel him wrapping his arms around me. It was just this amazing experience. Mm. And he said, I've always been with you. I never left you. Mm. And then a little bit later in the service, a lady a few seats along from me Um, leaned across and she said, I think God is saying to you, there's no turning back. (laughs) So it was a pretty profound experience. Yeah, yeah. And that was the beginning of of the turning back to God. And he started showing me lots of different, lots of things from that moment on. And one of those things was, I don't know if you've heard of VMTC, Victorious Ministries Through Christ. No, I'm not familiar with them. Okay, it's a it's a prayer ministry, mm-hmm. and um, a friend of mine is um, a leader in the ministry, and she'd been wanting me to go to a prayer school, mm-hmm. and I kept saying, "Oh yes, yes, one day, one day," mm-hmm. and I I just didn't want to go. Anyway, I felt I really needed to go to this prayer school, and I did, and that was later in the year after Edge, and it was at that prayer school that I had this moment toward, right at the towards the end um, where we were all gathered and they just, they asked me, you know, did God do anything special for you during this school? And there was this something in me that rose up and it was like, you've seen the movie Braveheart? <laughs> I, I haven't seen it myself, but uh, well, okay, well, I've heard about it. There's a moment in there where he calls out, freedom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what just rose up from within me. And this cry from within was just came out. And then 
I don't know. I fell on the floor. <laughs> so you yelled freedom or you felt freedom? Yeah, I yelled freedom over. and I felt freedom. And then I just fell to the floor. And this beautiful little lady was, was there, um, a 72-year-old, and she she was just praying over me. I could feel her praying over me. And while I was on the floor, it was like, you know, the Rio that you, you have in buildings in the um, foundation to, to, I don't know, stabilize it or mm -hmm. whatever it does, strengthen the concrete. Mm -hmm. It was like I was having this Rio uh, reinforcement just poured into me all the way through my body. Oh, wow. And at one stage I tried to get up and this lovely little lady said, no, just stay there, dear, because if you get up too soon, the Holy Spirit will just knock you down again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then while I was lying there, one of the leaders of, of that um, prayer time came over to me and he said, God is saying to you there's no turning back. Mm. And, you know, that was said three times to me mm. during that time and I, re I was reminded of what was said when I was at Edge, there's no turning back. Mm. And that was another, you know, there were these little little markers yeah. in my coming yeah. back to God and a sense, of course, that wasn't, that wasn't the end of the struggles, but mm. it was yeah. the beginning of learning why. Mm. and the beginning of trusting God again, moving into that place mm -hmm. of allowing him to do what he wanted to do mm -hmm. in me. Mm. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but going mm. back all the way to your childhood where you had these emotionally absent parents mm. and that kind of planted the seed in your life that somehow you weren't good enough. Yeah. The lie from the devil that you weren't mm -hmm. good enough. And then even when you became a Christian, believing you weren't good enough for God. Yeah. And that haunting you for years, especially even more so after the tragedy of losing your two daughters. Mm. So now you're turning back to God. Mm. At that point, did you finally feel, yes, God, you love me unconditionally? Mm. I think it was that, that weekend at the prayer school where that happened. Mm. That's where... Hmm. And that's not to say that the enemy didn't try to stir those, you know, no, of course, yeah. any doubts yeah. that were there. Mm. But every now and again, what I'd learned was that I needed to speak the truth. I needed to know the word because knowing God's word is what makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's the truth. And I started naming these um, thoughts that would come as deceptive brain messages. Mm. And I'd say, hmm. Does this actually align with what God says? Does it align with his His word? And if it didn't, I'd say no. Well, definitely not from God then. So mm -hmm. I just yeah. let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I learned to do that. Mm -hmm. but And I guess he showed me through the training and the further learning that he led me into mm. what to take from that that would help me as well. So that was really good. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm not only have you healed from some of those wounds going all the way back to your childhood, but mm. now, as we've mentioned earlier, you've become a counselor and you're helping others. Please share with us kind of the, the big picture of what's happened to you and the lessons that people can learn from what you've gone through. Mm. Well, um, yes, I am a counselor and a psychotherapist, but primarily I've moved towards working with Christians who are struggling 
in their faith mm -hmm. who may have mental health illnesses as a consequence of that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I feel the most benefit and where I can be of most benefit because mm -hmm. my journey speaks to the truth of what God can do. And I think unless I can work with someone who is willing to allow God to work with them and in them, I don't believe I. you can see real healing and ongoing lasting healing unless mm -hmm. God is a part of it. So I, I prefer to work with Christians. Mm -hmm. But because of what I've experienced myself, I know what is possible. I know what God can do, but I'm also aware of how the enemy plays a part in derailing us mm -hmm. and throwing us off all that God has for us. So I guess I can offer that, that wisdom and I can also offer, I, I listen to what Holy Spirit is saying and I believe that's an important thing as well when, we, when we're working together to, to bring healing and to bring renewal and to help people to move into a relationship that is based on that perfect love that God offers us rather than, you know, the, um, the lies of, of the enemy. Mm -hmm. So I think... That's what I offer to people, um, is a lot of my experience and what God's done in me and that I guess I'm an example mm. of, of what can happen once we really trust God. Amen. Well, it's certainly been a painful journey, but now because of everything you've gone through, you're uniquely qualified to help others who are going through similar circumstances. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Karen Mayus, for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for letting me do it. Our guest today has been Karen Mayus, and as we just heard, she is now a counselor and psychotherapist, helping others who are going through similar experiences as she went through. It's wonderful to hear how God is using her and how she can now rest in the loving arms of her Heavenly Father, confident in His unconditional love for her. Well, to find out more about Karen Mace and the many ways she's helping people, you can visit her website. It's karenmace.com. Once again, that's karenmace.com. And while you're there at her website, you can look up her books, Healing Begins in the Heart, and also A Grief Revealed, Stories of Finding and Navigating Your Way Through Loss. Once again, her website is karenmace.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us for part two of Karen's story. It's always great to hear how God can turn tragic situations around. Until next time, I'm Eric Skadabo. So long and God bless. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next time for more conversations about God working in the lives of people who put their faith and trust in Him. That's real people, real life, and real faith. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.